Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 73, where today we're going to talk about Seattle's new secure scheduling law. So the incredibly astute and the highly skilled business savvy city council members of Seattle continue to outdo themselves with their utopia building. These geniuses have provided yet another set of handcuffs to shackle the greedy business owner and keep them from taking advantage of what they must think are the blabbering infants they employ. All nine city council members voted for this law, which takes effect July 1st, 2017. Their tagline is adding stability and predictability to Seattle's shift workers, hourly incomes, and schedules. Now, I know you're not a large employer in Seattle, and this law probably doesn't apply to you. But just like the minimum wage and fair pay laws that are popping up all over the U.S. at the city level, this is a sign of things to come. Eventually, if left unchecked, these laws will be everywhere and they'll apply to everyone. Let's rock this. So this law applies to you if you have hourly employees in the Seattle city limits and you have 500 or more employees throughout the world and you're a retail, food service, or drinking establishment. Or if you're a full-service restaurant with 500 or more employees throughout the world and 40 or more full-service locations worldwide. And here is what you have to do. You have to provide a good-faith estimate of the work schedule. So for new and existing employees, you have to provide a written good-faith estimate of the median number of hours that they're going to work and whether they'll be expected to work on-call shifts. You have to provide this when you hire them once every year, and then whenever there's a significant change. You have to provide an estimate of the work schedule as part of the notice of employment information that's required by the wage theft ordinance. And you have to provide that in English and in the primary language of the employee. The good faith estimate isn't a contractual offer and you're not bound by the estimate, but you have to initiate an interactive process to discuss any significant changes from that estimate And if applicable, state a business reason for the change. Now, employees have the right to request input into the work schedule. They can make a request at hire and during employment. And you have to engage in a timely, interactive process to discuss the request. You have to have a bona fide business reason for denying requests that are related to a serious health condition, a need to give care to someone else in the family, uh, an education issue, or even a second job responsibility. For these requests, you have to provide a written response. Employees have a right to rest between work shifts, so you you can't schedule an employee to work a shift that isn't more than 10 hours apart unless the employee is requested or consented to it. If the employee requests or consent to it, then you're going to have to pay them 1.5 times the regular rate of pay. you got to pay them overtime, for the hours that are worked, less than the 10 hours since the previous shift. So in other words, if the rest period between shifts is eight hours, 
then you have to pay two hours of overtime when they start that next shift. You have to provide a 14-day advance notice of a work schedule. And there's a whole set of rules surrounding work schedule changes. So for employer-initiated changes, you have to provide timely notice by in-person conversation, telephone call, email, text message, or other accessible electronic or written format. Your employee has the right to decline any shift not on the posted schedule. Now for employee-initiated changes, they have to provide you with notice per your usual and customary requirements. That's for foreseeable changes. And then they have to provide you notice as soon as practicable for unforeseeable circumstances and generally comply with your reasonable normal notification policy and call-in procedures. You may ask, but you can't require your employee to search for or find a replacement to cover any hours during which the employee is unable to work a scheduled shift. As for compensation for work schedule changes, this is what they call predictability pay. So if you make a change to an employee's schedule inside the 14-day notice period, and the change doesn't result in a reduction of hours, then you have to pay your employee one extra hour of work. If you're making a change that reduces the number of hours worked or cancels a shift, then you have to pay your employee for the missed hours at half their pay rate. This is crazy. Now, there are some exceptions, like if the reduction in hours is related to a disciplinary action. As far as access to hours for existing employees, you have to offer additional hours to existing employees before you can hire a new employee or use a temporary employee from a staffing firm. You have to post notice for additional hours in a conspicuous place. The notice has to be posted in English and in the primary language of the employees. If an employee wants the additional hours and they have the skills and experience to do the job, then you have to offer them the work you have to give them two days to accept. And if no one responds to the written notice for additional hours, then you can hire new employees from an external source. There's a way around all this BS if you maintain what's called an access to hours list. And there's a whole set of rules uh, surrounding that that I'm not going to get into. Now, there are also posting and record retention requirements, and if you fail to retain the records, there's a presumption that you violated the law, even if you didn't. You can be responsible for liquidated damages of up to two times unpaid wages. You can be responsible for civil penalties, and the violations go as high as 20000 per person or 10% of the unpaid compensation. You can also be subject to fines and interest. Now, there are hundreds of questions that won't be answered until the regulators create the administrative rules and regulations around it. For example, does this apply to joint employers, and who is a joint employer? Who makes that decision? Or does this only apply to franchise locations owned by the same individual or group? In the case of multiple owners, what's the percentage of common ownership that qualifies it for inclusion in the count? According to a Fisher & Phillips post on their website, Oregon, California, New York, North Carolina, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., and Illinois are among other jurisdictions currently considering similar legislation. 
You can bet the politicians, the regulators, the DOL, and worker advocates will be pushing secure scheduling laws in 2017. So be on the lookout. Well, there you have it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac.